So we're going to be in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to, um, then I'm going to you know, take you through it and make, make a few comments on what this is. And what you need to understand is, why are we reading about, about Saul and uh, why are we reading about this on Easter Sunday? Because what you need to understand is this is Saul's Easter. What I mean is this is, he is the last one that Jesus appeared to. Usually on Easter Sunday, we talk about the appearance to the women or the appearance to one of the 12 or appearance to the, to the disciples on the road to Emmaus or maybe another gathering of disciples. But this is the last appearing of the resurrected Jesus. It's a year, two years, three years after Easter Sunday, but this is when Jesus appeared, his resurrection appearance to Saul, uh, who we know now as the Apostle Paul. That's what this is. Let me read it for you. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, a city far in the north so that if he found any there in Damascus who belonged to the way, this is what Christianity was called at this time, the way, whether men or women, he might take them back as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone, as Saul has, seems to have seen Jesus to some sense. In some sense, he saw Jesus. They did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. After having seen Jesus, he is just dumbstruck, dumbfounded. He doesn't eat or drink for three days. He's completely blind. And we're told later he's praying the whole time, praying, 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 praying. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Disciple meant a follower of Jesus. The Lord, Jesus, meaning Jesus, called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In other words, you're the answer to the prayer. I'm sending you. You're the answer. In a vision, Saul has seen that a man named Ananias comes and places his hands on him to restore his sight. So Saul had a vision in that, just sitting there, uh, blind. He had an inner, inner, inner vision. 
Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man. He recognizes the name. He knows who Jesus is talking about. He says, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Saints meaning Christians. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name, Jesus, your name. But the Lord Jesus said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument, my chosen vessel to carry my name, Jesus, before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And I must show him in that service, in that duty, in that ministry that he's going to do, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name, the name of Jesus. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, don't miss this, by the way, what he says to Saul. He just said to Jesus, this man is terrible. This man is a great sinner. This is the worst persecutor of the church. He is evil through and through. What are you talking about? But when Jesus tells Ananias, no, he's my chosen vessel, Ananias believes what he tells him. And look what he says to Saul. He placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul. Jesus told me you're my brother and I believe him. <laughs> brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. It's, it's, this is a physical thing that's actually happening, but it's also a symbolic thing of what has just happened in, in Saul's life, right? That the scales have fallen away from his eyes. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. And he got up, and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once, at once, he began to preach in the synagogues, go to the Jewish places of prayer, the houses of prayer, go to the Jewish places of prayer, and he began to preach there that Jesus is the Son of God. How did he know? He saw him raised from the dead and glorified before his very eyes. He heard his voice. He knew this to be true. He had seen it with his eyes. And all he does is go into the synagogues and say, I have seen it. I have seen him. He is the son of God. I am the one who was against him, dead set against this, this, this theology, dead set against this teaching, but I have seen him. All those who heard him were astonished, and they asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name, this name, this name, this name, Jesus? And hasn't he come here to Damascus to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful, more and more powerful. And he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving to them, demonstrating to them that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. After many days had gone by, 
the Jews conspired to kill him. The suffering has already begun. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and they lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall, like a giant laundry basket. They, they, they let him down through there, over the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, you know, the 12 and the rest of them. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple of Jesus. But Barnabas, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. He had seen the Lord. That is what I want you to catch this morning. He had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them, and he moved about freely in Jerusalem. And what did he do while he was there? speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And he talked and he debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. The suffering continues. And when the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. Thus ends the reading of the word of God. What I want you to see here this morning is that Jesus appeared to Saul alive from the dead and raised up from the dead and in all of his glory, his shining splendor and glory as the one who had been raised up by God and, and, was, um, and was the son of God, had the divinity. He was not just a human being, but he had all the perfections of God himself. He, was the, he had the same attributes, the same nature as as God himself, he was God. He was the son of God. The second person in the Trinity is language that was developed later to explain this. Um, but he, he saw him in all of his glory. We saw that back in verses three through six, and it was alluded to again and again throughout, throughout this chapter. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. Um, and what was happening, Paul tells us in Romans, he says, what was happening here was that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. The message of Jesus being raised up from the dead, the message from God to, to human beings was, this is the Son of God. This is the one. He has been rejected by you. He has been rejected by you, but he is vindicated by me. He has been declared by the resurrection from the dead to the human race. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the one that, I have, that the Father has sent for your salvation. The only one who can save you. The only king that God has given you. The only Lord. The Son of God. The divine nature uh, he has the very divine nature. He is to be worshiped and adored with the Father and the Spirit. This is the day that, um, that, that Jesus appeared to Saul. Pa Saul talks, Paul talks about this in another place. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, um, then uh, Jesus, he lists all the appearances of Jesus, and then he gets to the end of those lists of appearances. He says, then he appeared to James, and then to all the rest of the apostles, and last of all, Jesus appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, because I was the last one of the group. And then in another place in that book, he says, am I not an apostle? And then he, what, he, give, and he, gives, his, 
he gives his certificates. He says, am I not an apostle? And here's my certificate. Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Have I not seen him raised from the dead and glorified? Have I not seen him? I have seen him. I have testified, as all the apostles did. They testified to what they had seen, the glory that they had seen, the resurrected Lord raised from the dead to show that he was the Messiah, to show that he was the Son of God. I want to make three points this morning. My first point is that saints, not just Saul, not just the apostles, but there is a very real sense in which, when you read the New Testament, that saints see the light of Jesus, that saints see Jesus, not in the sense that Saul did, not as a resurrection appearance coming to someone, coming to a human being and appearing to them to their physical eyes, but still, in the, but Paul still talks in the scriptures, and the other apostles talk in the scriptures as if we we see the light of Jesus, we see the glory of Jesus, the blaze of Jesus, we see His beauty, we see His glory, we see that He is uh, that He has been glorified, we see that He has been that He has conquered death, that He has conquered sin, that He has conquered Satan. This is what took place in his resurrection and his glorification, his exaltation, that he has conquered all, all of this, that he, has been, that, he has been, that he is the Messiah. He is our king. He is our savior. We have seen the glory. And, and listen, to the, listen to the way Paul talks about this. He says he talks about unbelievers and then believers. Look at, listen to the contrast. Listen to what, how he, in this particular passage, defines unbelievers and believers. Listen to this for a minute, Okay. It's, in this, it's with this metaphor, with this idea. He says, the God of this age, meaning the devil, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that what? So that they cannot see. So that they cannot see. See what? The light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. This is what they, they can't see. Now, Jesus can set an unbeliever free from that. Jesus can set someone free from the devil so that they can see. That's exactly what he did for Saul, an unbeliever who was set free from the devil, and as he, was, he was blinded, and then he was healed. Just as he was physically blinded and healed, the, the scales fell from his eyes on that day, and Jesus showed himself, and he saw who Jesus truly was and who he really was. He saw the light of Jesus. But he says this is true for all saints. Further on in verse 6, Paul of 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says this, for God who said, for the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness. What is that a reference to? The creation, right? For the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine where? In our hearts, in our hearts. And what happened? What was that light that was shining in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The glory of God in Jesus and the light that comes from Jesus, the glory of who Christ was, that is our vision of the glory of God. That is how we see the glory of God. We see it in Christ, in, his, in all that he is, all the scriptures, the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that testifies to Jesus from page one to the last page. This is all about Jesus. On the road to Emmaus, Emmaus Jesus said, let me, to the disciples, he said, let me show you what the Bible says about, this, about he didn't yet say me, but he said about the, this Messiah. And he, and he explained the whole Bible is about this Messiah. This whole Bible is about this Messiah. 
For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Saints see the light of Jesus. The very definition of an unbeliever, someone who is not yet a saint, not yet a Christian, is someone who has not seen the light of Jesus. They have not yet seen his glory. They have not yet seen his beauty. They have not yet seen all that he is, and it hasn't touched their hearts and touched their minds uh, and and influenced them. Um, That hasn't yet taken place in their life. And I want to ask you this morning, have you seen him? Have you seen him? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen him in his glory? I don't mean if you had a vision. Perhaps you have, but that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, have you picked, when you've been reading the word of God, when you've been hearing the word of God taught and preached, when you've been, when you've been praying over the word of God, when you've been worshiping with the truths of the Bible, have you seen him? Have you seen Christ in his glory? Do you understand who he is, that he is the son of God, the Messiah, the savior of sinners, the Lord? God himself became man for us and for our salvation. Do you understand? Second thing I want to say, the first thing I said is saints see the light of Jesus, but it's, it's more than, it's not just they see it. Well, that like going to the Grand Canyon, wow, that was really amazing. And, and, and then they get back in the station wagon and, and move on to the next, to the next uh, tourist spot, right? It's, it, it's more than that. The second thing is that saints are captivated by the sight of Jesus. What does captivated mean? It means to have one's interest or attention held or captured by someone. To be completely captured by something, by your your whole attention. And, and, And a more modern way of saying this would, saints are obsessed with Jesus. Did you see what happened to Saul? He comes into town to destroy this faith. Three days later, the man is obsessed with Jesus. He is obsessed. He has seen him in his glory, and he is saying, there is nothing else for me. This is it. He is it. Everything in my life is now about Jesus. Everything from A to Z, it's all about Jesus. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anyone like this. This is the answer. This is salvation. This is the truth. This is what God is doing in the world. I want nothing else. I care about nothing else. I am obsessed. Completely, I am captivated completely. All my words, all my body's bodily strength, all my energy, everything I have is for Jesus now. Because I've seen him. Because I've seen the glory. Because I've seen him back from the dead and glorified in his power and his glory and his majesty. Nothing else matters to me. I care nothing about the Pharisees. I care nothing about the degrees I've earned. I care nothing about how far I had advanced in Pharisaism. It is garbage to me. It is trash to me. All I care about is the one who has said, you're my man and I want you to do this. And he said, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want. His obsession can be seen in three ways. Three ways I'll mention his obsession this morning. And it ties ties in in this chapter alone, and it ties in very clearly with three things that Jesus in the epistles says about himself. He keeps saying in the epistles three things about himself. He keeps saying, I am an apostle of Jesus. He keeps saying, I am a slave of Jesus. And he keeps saying, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. 
The prisoner part means that he's suffering imprisonment for Jesus. But he, keeps, he says those same things over and over again in the epistles, and we see them all in this chapter. What I mean is this. His obsession can be seen in the fact that he testifies everywhere he goes to Jesus. He testifies. Testifies means I, I can't stop telling you what I have seen. I am testifying to what I have seen and what I have heard from this one, from Jesus. What do we see in verse 15? Uh, first, this is what is predicted. This is what is, this is what is said is going to happen. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen vessel to carry my name before the Gentiles, Jesus' name, and their kings and before the people of Israel. Verse 20, it says, at once Saul began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful as he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 28, so Saul stayed with them there in Jerusalem and he moved about freely, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, meaning the Lord Jesus, speaking about the Lord Jesus. But I don't know if you know this, but this Acts chapter 9, this story is repeated. It's so important in the Bible. This is such an important account. It's repeated three times in the book of Acts. Three times. Not only is it alluded to in the epistles, it's repeated. The story is repeated three times. In chapter 22, it gives us a little bit more than Ananias says. Chapter 22, verse 14 says this. Ananias speaking, not in this chapter, but in another, another account of this that Paul, that Paul gives. The God of our ancestors has chosen you, Saul, to know his will, and listen to this, and to see the righteous one. He has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. And you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. So the first sign of his obsession that you see is that he testifies everywhere he goes to all people that he encounters. He testifies about the one that he has seen and the one whom he has heard. And, Jesus, and, and the, the third telling of this story, there are other words of Jesus that are given that aren't given in the one we just read. I want to read these for you because they're, love, they're wonderful words. This is Jesus speaking to Saul. Listen to what he says to Saul. I have appeared to you, I have shown myself to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. He's going to see more. I'm going to, you're going to, you are my witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. And I'm sending you to them, to Gentiles. And listen to what he's sending them to do. Listen to this. This is a description of what, the, this is what description of what Saul's ministry was. Listen to this. Listen to this. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light so that they can see, they can come out of the darkness and the light can shine on them in the darkness and they too can see, their eyes can be opened and they can see the glory of Christ. They can see who Christ is. His obsession with Christ was in his testifying. His obsession of Christ was in his obedience. He obeyed Jesus. We, all these commands that Jesus gives him here, 
he obeys and he continues to obey Jesus. He lives, he describes himself as a slave of Jesus, meaning that he is obedient to Jesus every word and that he um, lives to serve Jesus. Whatever Jesus requires of him, he lives to serve Jesus in all of his activity. So he's obsessed, he's witnessing about, testifying about Jesus everywhere and he is obeying Jesus. And the third thing is he is suffering for Jesus. He doesn't mind having too many minds, obviously, he hates suffering, but he, he knows that he, he is willing to suffer for Jesus. He's willing to suffer for Jesus if that's what comes with this testifying. And it does, in fact, do. We saw in verse 16 that Jesus himself says to him, Jesus says to him, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. He is going to have to suffer as my witness and as, 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 he, brings, as he brings my testimony to the people. He's going to have to suffer. And in verse 23 through 25, 29 through 30, we saw that the people already on two occasions are trying to kill him. In these first few years of his ministry, he is already being hunted and having to flee for his life, already being tried to kill. We get the, and we get the description of, Paul, of Paul's sufferings later from his own mouth in 2 Corinthians when he says this, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers, my own fake brothers and sisters in the Lord. I have labored and toiled, and I've often gone without sleep and I've known hunger and thirst, and I've gone without food, and I've been cold and naked. Now, why did he do all that? Because he was obsessed. He was captivated by the one, by Jesus Christ and his glory and all that Christ was and all that Christ was doing. He was, ca he was captivated. And saints are those who have seen Jesus, number one, and number two, are captivated by Jesus. Their attention, their the running of their mind and the running of their heart is over Jesus and who he is and his glory and, and all, that that is, all that he is. Um, the third thing that I want to say, and I need to close with this, is that saints see in Jesus the love of God. That saints see in Jesus a message from God that communicates to us the love of God. And what, what, what I mean there is that uh, all terror of punishment, Saul had done terrible things. He had sinned in terrible ways. He had done hard. He was, a, he was a hateful, angry, bitter, vindictive, judgmental you know, uh, uh, man who wanted to arrest and even kill, breathed out murderous threats. This was not a nice man. This was a man who was bent on destruction. He believed certain things and he wanted to destroy the other side. He wanted to destroy the ones that he disagreed with. And he was bent on, this is who he was. And he, and he, in retrospect, you know, when he saw Jesus recognized the great evil of his life and the great sin in his life, but in Jesus, he also recognized the love of God. That, and, and all terror of punishment has been removed from Saul. He's not afraid of God anymore. He fears God in the sense of respect, but he doesn't have a terror of God, a terror of punishment anymore. He's not terrified of death anymore. None of these things hold, hold terror for him anymore because he recognizes that God is good and that God is loving and that God is merciful and that God is kind and that God is gracious 
He, he pours out undeserved favor, and Saul knows that he has received that grace and received that mercy through Jesus Christ. And so in Jesus Christ, he recognizes that he has been blessed like he could never uh, have imagined he would be blessed. And all punishment, all terror, all death has been removed from him. He speaks about this on a few, other, uh, a few occasions. Let me read them quickly, and then, and then we'll close. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says, For I am, this is talking about his sin. He mentions his sin, that he's still thinking about his sin, although he's set free from it. He's still thinking about his sin. He says, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, For I am the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He still knows what his sin was. And yet he knows this, what he says in 1 Timothy 1.13. Though formerly, formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy. I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. I had not seen, I, had not, I did not have faith. I did not know Jesus. I had not seen Jesus yet. And the grace, the undeserved favor of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I, Saul says, Paul says, am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost sinner saved by grace, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. I am an example of, to everyone, of the mercy of God, the patience of God in Jesus Christ, the love of God in Jesus Christ, the grace of God. Look what I was and look what Jesus did for me. Look what he did. He forgave me of my sins. He appeared to me, even me, and showed himself to me, terrible sinner that I was, forgave me of those sins and poured out the grace and mercy and kindness and patience and love of God on me through his sacrifice, through what he had done for us. And then quoting another apostle, I've quoted all Paul today, but quoting one other apostle, John says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent this one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And so let me conclude this morning with this. Jesus is raised from the dead. He is risen. He is glorified. He is exalted. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? If you've seen him, you'll know. You will know. And you will be obsessed. You will be captivated. It will change the direction of your life. It will change everything. Have you seen him? Has he appeared to you? Not like he appeared to the 12 and like he appeared to Paul, but has he appeared to you? Has the light shone in your heart as you have heard the word of God, read the word of God, prayed the word of God, meditated on the word of God? Have you seen him? Have you seen Jesus Christ? Has your whole life now been built around him? Has your whole life, like we heard a few weeks ago, has the house, your whole, everything that you've built now been built on the foundation of Jesus? Is everything built on him? Is he the rock that you are building everything 
that your whole life and all that you do and think and say, are you building on him? Have you seen Jesus? And if there's anyone here today who you're saying, I have not seen him, this is just, this is just uh, going through the motions for me. I, I have not yet seen him. My heart has not yet been captured. I have not yet known the mercy and grace and love of God that comes through Jesus Christ. Pray to him. Take up and read. Take up and read his word and speak to him and say, Jesus, shine your light into my darkness. I am in darkness and I need to see you. I recognize how dark things are in my life and I need to see you. I need to see who you are what you are. I need to understand what you have done and pour. And it, it's not just, he doesn't speak directly to your mind. He, he has given you his word, the words of Jesus, the words for you have been given to you. We have them in our possession. Take up and read, pour over them, obsess over them as if you understand what you're dealing with. You are dealing with the communication of Jesus. Jesus has been communicated to us in words. He has been described, explained, his teachings given to us, his glory shown to us again and again and again on every page. Here it is. Take it up and read. Take it up and sit and listen. Sit and listen. Uh, pray it and praise it and worship uh, the, with these words and understand what we're talking about and who this one is. Is. Have you seen him? Pray. If not, shine your light into my darkness. Let's pray.